Welcome to the Maker Vision Podcast, a podcast where we help you take your ideas from a dream to reality. Each episode will cover topics to help you overcome frustrations we all encounter in our maker community. I'm Trevor Wanamaker, a part-time maker running MakerExperiment.com, and my co-host Stephen Ellis is a part-time woodworker running Old South Woodcraft. We have both encountered bumps and pitfalls along the road we call making, and we are using this podcast to help you avoid the same pitfalls. Welcome to the Maker Vision Podcast for episode 26, part two of Customer Interaction. And today we're joined by Martina and Amanda, as well as Steven. But, you know, Steven's lower on the list right now. It's just me. <laughs> so how are you, Amanda? I'm good, thanks. How are you? We're doing well. And Martina? Good, good. We're ready to get this at this part two and see if we can answer some more questions about customer interaction you mean so you can school us oh i'm not oh. going to be the one schooling amanda will be schooling all three of us that's that's, that's, that's totally that. cool i'm probably going to get challenged totally cool. left and right they're going to be like but what happens when but what happens when well that's going to happen regardless of what you say <laughs> right. pretty much pretty much there's always or going to be more messages. questions yeah or right. they'll message you and say no that's totally wrong that's not how it happens did that well, happen like to you because that didn't happen to me I've gotten a little bit of feedback. Huh. So even if it's when I'm posting questions about how you handle stuff, there's some negative Nancys out there. Oh, yeah, there are. That, yeah. But you notice some of the there's... negative Nancys never make or share anything. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny how that I happens. Got a lot of, I got a lot of responses with words that I can't use on the podcast. <laughs> so... <laughs> oh, we'll share those. Oh, do I need to keep this clean? Yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> in, in general, yes. I think we have more of a PG thirteen yes. sort of. Um, it's a yeah. family show, guys. Come on. <laughs> I don't know that it's. I don't know that it's family, it's, but I'm going to say like PG thirteen. Yeah, I mean, you should be able to play it in the car with your kids if yeah, you had to. Exactly. So, yeah. Before they tune everyone out and go back to their iPads yeah. or whatever it is that children do nowadays. Well, we didn't say they'd be interested. We just said they could listen. Right. <laughs> I don't think our True. conversation applies to their life at all. No. Probably. Probably not. Probably not. All right. So before we get into the all the fun and joy of customer interaction uh, with with a customer, customer interaction expert, we got to do one of our favorite things okay. to start the episode. Uh, what have we been watching? And I'm going to let Amanda and and Martina go first. What, what Have you been watching anything fun? Or, I mean, you could be listening to something. I don't know. You could have read something. Oh, we both did start reading a book this week. I started reading the Clint Harp handcrafted book. I got about 60 pages into it so far, and it's pretty good. Talking about how he got his, how his career started taking off as a woodworker. Clint Harp. I don't know who Clint Harp is. Oh, my. You live under a rock. He's the um, carpenter that was on Fixer Upper with Chip and Joanna Gaines. Oh, that's why, because I don't really believe in that show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's it's fiction. It's fiction? It's fiction. <laughs> no, it's just, it, it paints a bad portrayal of contractors, 
and um, and people that think that they can DIY when in reality uh, doing home renovation is not a lot of DIY because I've done enough homes to know. I thought you were just going to say because the contractor is actually on site in the show. <laughs> So, <laughs> that, that was funny. which is not a reality. That's not. Yeah, that's that's true. That is that's true. Very uh, true. Would be there. That is very true. Contractors are yeah. often mysterious. Yeah. And the book I'm reading because it's PG thirteen. I can't say the title. Right. The subtle, the subtle art of not giving an F. An F. Yeah. Oh, right. I need to I read it. that. I love it. Right. So far, like I was in with twenty pages, totally hooked. And then I walked around saying, I'm not going to give an F today. I'm which, not going to give an F about this. Which helped because we're at Disneyland. So. <laughs> right. Uh, There's a lot yeah. of... So what you're yeah. saying is, I need to read that before we go to Disney World. Uh, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah I, I give I give zero a lot of times. I give, I give zero Fs for a lot of things. That's going to be my Halloween costume next year, is I'm just going to be a salesman for the zero Fs corporation. I just give out zero Fs to everyone. That'll work. I'm trying to picture what that would look like. <laughs> a lot of business cards. Pieces of paper. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> a lot of business cards with, that you can't share with children. Yeah. Just don't accidentally <laughs> send those business cards to your customers. <laughs> oh, no. These are going to be completely different. Or you might get more customers out of it because they're going to be like, man, this guy has personality. Maybe. That's true. That is very, very true. That is very, very true. All right, so you two have been reading some great books, it sounds like. Uh, Trevor, what what do you got, man? So I've been watching, or continuing to watch, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Because there's over 100 episodes. So I haven't binge-watched all of them yet. It's it's going to take a while to binge-watch. Let's put it that way. Yeah. I've been watching uh, Making It on NBC. I watched mm. it. So you can watch it online on like mm-hmm. their website so i did watch all of the first season of that which was pretty good it was kind of like got two episodes in it was kind of like the baking shows meets making stuff yeah yeah the the only good thing about that show was that occasionally jimmy would do like a a small camera spot yep and then nick would say something funny but overall i didn't i didn't like it but that's just me well, there was we... no whale oil lamps, you know, no one wore wooden <laughs> clogs and, and did everything with hand tools. So, I mean, it's clearly not going to work for me. Some of them did make some pretty cool stuff. I have oh, to there admit. was. There was some really, really good. Now, one of those guys made, like, beautiful Kumiko. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was, it was interesting to watch because you kind of see... The one thing I noticed, which I've never seen in a baking show, is if one of them was struggling to do something... One of their competitors would ask if they needed help. Oh no, definitely not. Trust you me. never see that in any other competition. <laughs> bakers, that's bakers. what we said in Top Chef yesterday. I know. We bakers were in Top Chef and said the same thing. No, bakers and chefs. That's like a cutthroat, cutthroat business. Trust me. On those shows, they are never going to help each other. It's like, oh, your stuff just completely just caught on fire. Ah, too bad for you. We'll keep going. Oh, you cut your finger off the end of your finger off with your chef's knife. Well, it looks like I got an advantage now. That's exactly how I'd feel. I'd be like, oh, I accidentally knocked down your pan. My bad. It would be intentional. <laughs> she, she's so a reminder, <laughs> reminder, never compete with Martina. That's what anything. I just heard. She plays dirty. 
if she's ever on a, if she's ever on a show with you and it's a competition, be as far away as possible. <laughs> yes. Be advised. This this would be the be advised moment for sure. Very competitive. She's gonna be the cutthroat part of Cutthroat Kitchen. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Which actually ties into I'd be mine. the helper. <laughs> which ties into mine. I've been watching a show called Iron Chef Gauntlet, which is oh, pretty yeah. interesting. I watched it. Oh, it was so good. It was very strange how they did it. it only had like eight episodes. Which mm-hmm. is kind of strange for a I feel like one season show, you know? Yeah, that's probably the toughest competition, though, because you go against so many different chefs to get to where you can go against all the Iron Chefs. Mm-hmm. And they had some of the best Iron Chefs, Bobby Flay, Michael Simon. Don't yep. list Bobby Flay in there. He's such a tool. <gasps> for shame, madam. For yeah. shame. He's the, he's the OG American Iron Chef. He's so arrogant. He literally has a show that says, try and beat me. I'm That's the best. Pretty try arrogant. and beat me. He, and Come the thing now. is, hey, you got to give him credit. A lot of times he beats people at their own game. No, I don't like it. I don't know. I, I like him. I think he's good. I think he's funny. Hmm. I don't know about funny either. I'm partial to Ginger, so, you know, it helps. He's very ginger. He is very ginger. Speaking of, it's National Kiss a Ginger Day, so if you know a ginger, you know. Trevor, do you know any gingers? No. You sure? You and unless they're my wife, they're not getting kissed. <laughs> yeah. Are you sure? Because I mean, you got a you got a little touch of He's the ginger in, in you yourself. Yeah. Well, You're, you definitely. I don't know any gingers. Well, I don't know any gingers here anyway. <laughs> That just means your wife is obligated to kiss you. That sounds like it could be like a cocktail, though. A touch of the ginger. A touch of the ginger. That sounds like a cocktail in a non-PG-13 place. (laughs) A touch of the ginger. Sounds like it might be a disease. Yeah. (laughs) I just got a touch of the ginger. It should be cured up in seven to ten days. Oh my god. Depending on depending on who you talk to, being a ginger could be could be pretty pretty rough. I, this might be the episode we get Trevor to cry from laughing, though. <laughs> oh, that would be great. I, I want to see Trevor There's cry. Actually, be pretty you know, funny. There have been good jokes on this one. Yeah, you know, usually it's say, just me and Steven, so he has. You can't, you can't blame allergies on that Vegas weather. So we'll <laughs> no, it's, you're right, it's non-existent. Yeah. There's, there's no, there's nothing that that grows there's, or blooms. There's or no trees. Hey now, there's no flowers. Hey, there's like one out there that already died. Come on. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I have an oh, agave I guess... plant. I don't know what you guys are talking about. A little aloe vera. Yeah. <laughs> the plant that go. just won't die. If you can kill an aloe vera plant, then then be my guest. So, Even though plants don't really grow, somehow weeds do. Absolutely. In between all your rocks yes. and your dryscape. It's annoying. And then you can't pull them out. Correct. So annoying. But anyway. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? All right. So... Martina, Amanda, you are our experts in this episode. I think Martina got a bunch of questions. And Amanda, you do this as basically like your full-time job, right? Yeah, for the most part. I mean, right. um, I've been in traditional retail for the majority of my life. And then in addition to that, I've done direct sales. And then um, I am a cycling instructor where you essentially make more the more people that are in your class, right? So the better numbers you have the more profitable it becomes. So there's a customer mm-hmm. interaction element there too. So yeah. And corporate trainer. And corporate. Well, yes. So I also spent about five years um, 
coming up with training content and um, leadership techniques, best ways to interact with customers, so on and so forth for an entire corporate organization. So yes, expert might be a broad term. <laughs> okay, so basically what I'm hearing is that like you're the CEO and the CFO <laughs> for not for naughty by nature, and Martina is is like the the lead designer and implementation manager. Oh, oh, oh I like I, all those titles. I ask I her for days to... off all the time. Yeah, she says, so. I have a day off. <laughs> I'm going to need Friday off. So Right. Yeah. Um, it's funny because when I was thinking about talking with all of you guys this morning, I um, it, when I think about how I identify myself with the Naughty by Nature business, I think it's different maybe than how Martina identifies herself. If somebody says, you know, what do you do? I say I'm a small business owner. Where I think all of you guys may say, I'm a maker, I create things, I'm an artist. You know, there's there's a different title that you would give yourself than small business owner. Um, right? Are you thinking about it? I mean, you're right. No. I, I probably would very rarely say that. I mean, I say that occasionally in the context that whenever I'm with other people who don't do making, but they have small businesses because we all share space in a in a like a market sort of shop. So they are more, I guess, in a traditional small business sort of situation. We have one lady that she does repainted furniture and like some odds and ends glassware. I don't know why she got into glassware. We have a, we have a couple that does a lot of just weird vintage retro finds. They definitely have like the largest like LP collection I've ever seen of someone that's not a record store. And then we have like a whole other lady that all she does is vintage clothing. And occasionally she'll find other little odds and ends, but like mostly vintage clothing. That's awesome. I I just think, you know, my mindset may be different in terms of how I approach a business and the interaction with the customer because of that place that I come from and thinking about my past experiences and how I view myself as a business owner. It's a little bit different. So I think the perspective just changes um, and maybe offers something not necessarily better by any means, but different. I think mine's more like a hybrid. So it's like, I'm a half maker and I'm a half business ah. owner. Oh, there we go. But it's because some some people tell me I, I don't make stuff because my machine does it for me, apparently. So apparently I just throw material at it and it makes itself. Like, I don't do anything. It paints itself too, right? It of course. It paints and glues itself together. Of course. I That's don't do anything. That's why you got anything. the newer laser. Yep. Yeah. That's a one you just job. you just put in one sheet of acrylic or MDF and out, like out the other end pops a completely finished sign ready to oh, go. Oh, didn't you know that it also has the capability to multicolor itself? It's fantastic. Uh, that is pretty cool. And that's it packages cool. and ships for you too. Yes. See, I don't do anything, but I do get told that I don't make anything, so that's awesome. But because it's more, I guess I'm more on the techie side of being a maker when it comes to you know planning things out like I still have the business plan I still have all that other stuff and I still treat it like a small business when I approach potential customers or whatever it might be I tried to kind of have the business mindset when I talk to somebody but I when I'm talking to other makers yeah you identify as a maker not a small business owner necessarily it's really hard seeing yourself as a brand so what you mm -hmm. put out there on social media it represents like even it's who you are so if you're gonna 
or if I go out on like a Lowe's run, a Home Depot run or whatever, and I'm in mm-hmm. like my naughty t-shirt and stuff like that, it's just like, yep, I'm like walking billboard right now. So you have to kind of behave yourself almost and not be a jerk to, you know, yeah. it's just completely different owning a small business. And I think there's that other balance where if you're, if you're just a maker and you're not trying to run it as a small business and somebody asks you to make something, you'll pretty much do whatever. But if, if you're trying to run your small business and like last week, how I said, I had somebody ask me if I make kitchen cabinets, mm-hmm. like if I'm just a maker, I probably could have been like, yeah, you know, I can help you out versus because I would be posting it to social media and it's a, I'm trying to align with the brand. I'm going to say no, because it doesn't fit what I do. Right. So that's legit. I think it's, that's definitely a, a valid point. And I think it kind of seems like from what the feedback that I'm getting through like asking questions on social media about what to talk about through for customer interaction it seems even if someone is just a maker they're also starting to see themselves more as a small business owner mm-hmm. and how to kind of value themselves as a maker in order to become a like a better business and take on more jobs and I think a lot, like we've been talking about the a lot of the discussion is how to value yourself actual price wise and how to value yourself and not be taken advantage of by a customer. I think at the end of the day, knowing that there's there's twofold, right? So you think the customer really does sign my paycheck essentially. Without them, you don't make any money. You can make these beautiful things and you can be incredibly talented, but you need that customer in order to make a profit. That's the reality of a business. But then on the flip side, understanding that um, validating your value or validating why you're good or why your product is great, um, there's kind of an extreme to that, right? So it was interesting when I was listening to your podcast this the last episode, um, there was a lot of conversation about um, and I don't even know if you guys went down the wormhole um, of of why, what goes into building something, right? And why it is priced the way it's priced um, and trying to validate all those things to the customer to make it feel like they're, they're paying a price for a great product. And, you know, my um, comparison used was when you go into a store and you walk into um, whether it's a home furnishing store or into a clothing store, nobody's saying to you, well, these jeans are $150 because they're of premium cotton because the stretch is way better than any stretch you'll find in another denim, right? There, There's already credibility behind that brand, behind what it is you're buying. It mm-hmm. has nothing to do with somebody telling you all of those features and benefits. So I think finding the balance between what is necessary to share with the customer to earn credibility and validate it and what is you selling yourself to the customer to where you don't even sound confident in your pricing and the wise. So what was the, um, the concerns that everybody had in the feedback? Oh. Some of the questions, some of the, well, pricing is a big one, right? but I think that's definitely a valid point. Not having to necessarily sell yourself and explain why your pricing is the way it is. But I think we all need to learn a better way of de- like handling a customer situation like that when they try and talk you down from a price that you've set and the reason why you've set it set it and figure out how to approach that situation better so you can still keep them as a customer and not have any any negative feedback from them in the end Mm -hmm. yeah and that's that's always a challenge 
and no matter what you do, the person's going to try to talk you down. It just, that's what happens. And I have found that if I, if I don't budge on my price and I stick to it and, you know, I'm like, I understand, you know, it's a custom handcrafted item that I'm not going to be, you know, mass producing or selling more than one of. So I can't drop the price. Like if you kind of approach it and you, you're not just like, oh, well you can't afford it. Well, then that's not my problem. Like I don't try to be off putting about it. I try to, you know, explain why, like you were saying, like justify why it is what it is. And some people respect that and some people don't. And if some people are like, you know, that's out of my price range. If there's other products you sell that are lower in price, like customized mugs in my case, or magnets or things that, you know, are 20 or $30 instead of, you know, a couple hundred dollars. I think that also opens their eyes to, oh, I didn't know you did that. I only saw signs on your page. Like you can also spread the word of other things you do, which kind of gives you that opportunity. But I've always, yeah, I've always read and I've always awesome learned. Sorry. No, no. I think that's such a great point. Like to say, hey, by the way, like it's a great way to to offer the other products that you have. Like I think about um, for us, it's kind of a, a wood offering, right? So it's it's thinking about what what that next tier mm-hmm. below or above is in terms of quote unquote quality products, if you will. And I've always read and being or having done retail when I was growing up for my first jobs, it was always. You know, you have to have products within like the zero to twenty-five dollar range. You have to have products, you know, from twenty-five to say a hundred, and so you always have to have different tiers because your customers have different. Even though they might be the same customer base, they don't necessarily have the same budgetary concerns. So it's always good to have a variety of price ranges so that no matter you know what it is so somebody may start out asking for a sign and they might end up buying a mug which has happened Uh, but unless you told them you do mugs they're not going to know that you do them unless they somehow saw it somewhere else right i think we all need to start thinking about going that extra step like you're saying and offering other suggestions on what they can do instead rather Mm -hmm. than just writing off the customer oh they yeah. they didn't want to pay my prices so i blew them off Correct. we all are in the industry of providing customer service and the customer experience so going that extra step of saying hey i can't make that for you for this price but i could do this instead for that price point you're looking at like some of the signs we make are canvas which we can't get canvas for very cheap so that mm-hmm. automatically raises the price but it's like hey we can make that same item for you on a you know pine select board for way cheaper it's not going to be the exact same look that you want but you could have the same verbiage that you want on it and i think that's a good thing is being flexible on what you can work with so you know somebody might come to me and say hey i want a two-foot acrylic sign well just so you know material starts at like 200 bucks and then they're like oh i didn't know it was that expensive well i can also do it out of mdf And then you tell them the price for that and they're like, oh yeah, that's way better. So having options, I think is a very important part to appease your customers and give them, you don't want to have so many that they're overwhelmed. 
you want to keep it to like two or three because i've i've seen people if they have 10 like they have a meltdown and <laughs> i personally have had meltdowns if i have too many options like it's, <laughs> it's just overwhelming so you need to have options but you have to have limited options you don't want to Agreed. be the cheesecake the... factory i'm sorry yes yes <laughs> right the cheesecake oh, factory menu Absol- the, That's the a great I analogy. Mean, it's a perfect <laughs> analogy. It's like the cheesecake menu of options. It's terrible. Um, the the three words I would say are value, better, and best, right? So essentially your better is that that middle tier where most people you would think would fall in terms of what their requests are. And then you have those that are willing to go that premium tier, which is your best. And then you have your value options. So, you know, what is the lowest grade of materials you're willing to work with the time that'll be put in? So if I think about those options three to your point it's perfect i think that's definitely something we've had to think about during holiday seasons too is that we almost need to shut down um custom orders during holiday season because no one wants to see the price of a console table around november december because then they're going to be off put so but we can offer a ton of smalls like we can do cut custom mm-hmm. cutting boards more gifty stuff because that's a price point people are looking for so i think we definitely learned that this past holiday season too we did a couple consults and estimates and everything and every we got turned away by so many people because no one wants to see a large price tag at that time but it's hard owning the business because you want mm-hmm. to receive that lar- you know that large yeah. build the money oh, yeah. for that in december so you can provide for your family and everything so learning how to bounce your your business around seasonality seasonality, really Mm -hmm. and that because you know let's be honest like tax return season is going to come up so let's you know let's go market ourselves because people are going to have that money to be able to afford that better best category of custom well and that's funny you say that about like the november december time frame because that's what happened to me so Mm -hmm. it was september october i'd get you know three sign orders a week and then i got 15 requests for quotes at the end of November, not a single order at all. And it was, they were all the same prices as what they were, you know, two months ago when people were ordering everything. But I think you're right because it was, you know, Christmas time and they're trying to buy gifts for people and they're trying to balance, you know, what they want to get themselves because a lot of businesses try to also do all their business expenses right before the end of the year. Mm-hmm. so you ha- they have that balance and definitely november and december was a slow point for me yeah this the holiday season before this one we were just slammed with orders for smalls and for this one this past holiday season it wasn't as desirable i guess but i think because we didn't market it until later in the season anyways so it was a learning experience so i told amanda i said this coming july i'm just going to start producing on this when we're you know kind of in a low point start producing everything that i think people will want for winter so come november we have we can almost just do like a craft show of it of you know christmas trees and cutting boards and blanket ladders and everything like that that Mm -hmm. people like you know they want that under a hundred dollar price point yeah so sorry i i just keep thinking about customers wanting you to go lower like i just can't get that out of my mind so i i'm just what do they say do they just say i'm really sorry about your prices too can you go lower what do they they ask you to do to cut a price i've gotten the gambit anywhere from 
being nice about it or they're like uh that's a little bit out of my budget you know can we change the material to get it lower like they they're willing to sacrifice something and then you get the people that are like not gonna happen like your prices are way out of my price range that's ridiculous your stuff isn't that good like i've gotten that end too so which is the most insulting right yeah when they say it's not that good yeah oh i i was like you know that's your opinion you're welcome to your opinion but if you're going to be like this i'm not going to deal with you at this point if you'd like to you know come if you'd like something in the future please let me know but i don't appreciate this attitude which is very difficult to say like you really want to tell them to f off right but you don't (laughs) So the subtle art of not giving an F right there would be exactly. ideal. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's it's not so subtle for me. <laughs> it's not so subtle. Yeah. No, I like people people probably in my day job would be like, yeah, he he's not subtle about that at all. Yeah. It's because I've just been I mean I've just been burned so many times in the past, or I've just been overworked and underpaid and things like that. Whenever I was a contractor, I mean, we had some really rough days, so. You learn not to 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 give you know zero mm-hmm. very often, and, on, and you're not subtle about it. On the rare occasion, I've actually had somebody say, "You didn't charge me enough, so I'm going to pay you this," and then they charge or they pay That's me like two hundred dollars more. Mm-hmm. It's it's so hard though when you give a, an estimate and they say that's it, and it's like, oh my goodness, what should I have charged then? Like, yeah. what could I have yep. been paid? Which it's, it's like so you just hope that. Well, they told told you the work was worth more. Maybe in the end they'll pay me what they thought it was worth. That's they'll the pay you, and then they'll give you a tip. Keep well, that's back. the beauty of like invoicing online is there's always like the tip option. Yeah, I haven't had anyone fill that out yet. I haven't either, <laughs> but it's there. <laughs> but I have had people just straight up pay me more. They're like, "Well, this turned out way better than I expected. You didn't charge enough for the level of quality. I'm going to pay you this." And then you have people like you give them the cleanest and best thing you've ever made. And they're like, they're just one of those people that mm-hmm. is never satisfied. So I, it's a very difficult thing to balance. I would say. I think the most response we get is just being like, just being ghosted pretty much. You give right. an estimate yeah. and yep. then, or a quote or whatever. And no, they just don't respond to you. And especially if it's through DMS on Instagram, you could see that they saw it, and then oh, yeah. they just they just write you off at the end. That's what I got a lot of during the holiday season, which is how much for this, and just nothing after that. Like, okay, so moving on, on to the next customer. And it was hard because even like Facebook, um, we ran a couple ads through the Facebook page, hoping because Facebook's really hard to advertise through to get your business page posted yes Uh, so it's like okay we'll run you know a ten dollar ad or whatever and see if it gets us and it got me a ton of inquiries and no business yeah and but that's uh, the holiday season i think was a killer yeah but that's i think what i've heard from a lot of other makers is that they just they give a price and then they hear nothing in response after that and then you got to figure out do you do you follow up in a couple weeks and say hey I've noticed that, you know, you didn't want to do I think you do or what? I think you do. I I um, have. Right. I I think kind of going back to, you know, you guys were saying you're essentially a brand, right? We're all a brand. When you go out in public and 
when you're um, thinking about your interactions and respecting that not only for the customer, the responsibility you have to the brand, but also to yourself. Um, I, again, I know that we're in the business of creating things for customers and being able to live off of that as income, right? So that's really important. Uh, but at the same token, chasing them down or undercutting your prices to where it no longer it, it creates a monster, right? It's like an organization mm-hmm. that takes sales too often and then they're just known to always, mm-hmm. like think yeah. about the Bed Bath & Beyonds of the world. Like I, I, for years, I wouldn't go to Bed Bath & Beyond without that 20% off coupon that was sent yep. to me because I just expected to get 20% <laughs> off of everything that I purchased, right? So it's that same feeling and that's what you create. You create this, oh sure, so I'm gonna quote you and then you know that if you offer less or ask me to cut my price a little bit that I'm going to be willing to do that, that that's not acceptable. You're now just cheapening the value of your brand. So that's See? one thing I don't do. Like I don't do sales. I, I tried to early on thinking it would drive business and it never did. So now I'm at the point where I'm, I've decided that I'm not going to do sales because not only is it something that like, you'll get slammed around that one time and then you won't get any orders later. And then it becomes like, like you guys were saying is they know that you're going to have a sale around black Friday or whatever. So they're just going to hold off buying anything from you until black Friday. And you don't want to have that happen as well as in general, if, if people are paying full price for your product and then you have a sale like two days after somebody just ordered something, that person's going to be mad. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's another thing is why I don't do the sales anymore is because I don't want to ruin the relationships I have with previous customers either that paid full price. It's not fair to them and it's not fair you know, to the other person either. And then you have the other people that have quote unquote sales where they say 20% off, but they jacked the price up 20%. So when it's 20% <laughs> off, it's back to the normal price, which is shady to me. I mean, it's, it's, it's a standard. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I mean, I, I'd say it's a standard practice of business to, you know, jack the price up for something for a little while and then say, all right, it's going on sale. And really, you're not ever taking a cut on it. Yeah. Because by the time you average it out, it's been the same price the entire time. I do see the value in a, if you have a product that's completely new and it's like a standard design, like say you make a cutting board design and it's CNC machined or something and it's, I don't know, honeycombed or whatever. I can see the value in doing a one-time only pre-sale or pre-order and then after that pre-orders up it never goes on sale that i see as being okay because you're trying to create awareness for the new product and that's more of a marketing thing but i do not agree with putting it on sale later right i agree and i think when you offer something other than a tangible product so part of our business is obviously consulting right so Mm -hmm. having design conversations going into somebody's space new space or old space um, and giving them options or your opinion or suggestions. And I, I do think there's value in saying, hey, you know, for the first time I come out, you know, I'll, I'm willing to do that for such and such dollar amount. Every visit thereafter will 
be at a full price option. So I think kind of a an intro, so similar to mm-hmm. what you would say in terms of a launching a product, but for each customer saying this is what we're willing to offer just to have a conversation, um, anytime thereafter will be this to kind of get them hooked and excited about that initial interaction. And that's a great way to do it. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, a lot of contractors will do that. Um, I, I do it as a consultant. Um, whenever I go and take a look at, at work, I uh, a lot of times, I mean, I, I'm not going to charge a client for that. One, it's built into my into our business anyways to do that. But for contractors that do charge for a one-time, you know, come out and take a look at it, a lot of times those are people doing diagnostic sort of stuff. They're trying to figure out, you know, okay, so you've got a plumbing issue. Let's figure out your plumbing issue. You know, it, it, so it's, there's a lot more time involved. With me just going and looking through a space and trying to figure out how much time it's going to, me to, going to take me to do my work on the back end, is not, you know, it's not really a diagnostic sort of thing. There's not a lot of work involved in that. It's just more of a observational thing. Yeah, and I think where for ours, if I'm speaking out loud and sharing my ideas and thoughts, they could then take all those ideas and thoughts and go do it themselves, right? So mm-hmm. that even that conversation, in my opinion, is worth something because now you're you're using my brain, you're using my ideas. It's not just me going in and assessing where I think for various businesses, that's the case, which I think a free consult or that being wrapped into what it is you're doing makes sense. For us, it just doesn't. Because now I'm saying, here, it'd be great to do this. I'd put this here. I'd purchase this. I'd look at this. And then for them to walk away and say, oh, I'm not going to use you. I'm going to go do this myself. (coughs) Excuse me. makes all the difference. Yeah. And I think that's one that's one issue I have with like Pinterest and YouTube and all that stuff is that People see what is on those and how much people quote unquote paid for it. And then they don't realize that a lot more goes into it. So it definitely can skew things. That's what we were talking about yesterday, trying to keep up with the, um, there's one sign company in particular on Instagram that's always running ads on there. So it's like today, save 70% off on these custom signs and then I'll get screen grabs from it all the time sent to me. Can you make it with this verbiage for this price so I don't have to pay shipping? No. Absolutely not. I can't compete with that. And that's machined. So it's completely different. That's why it's so cheap. Well, and that's the other thing is not only is the... So you see those signs in like Target or Walmart or whatever that say home or love or dream or whatever they say. Gather. And Gather. Yeah. And they, and they're, they're most obviously made on a machine. They're most obviously mass produced. And you know, for if people want a sign that says "gather" or "dream" or whatever, go buy it at a store. If you right. want it cheap, if you want something completely custom that's your logo, that's kind of where I'd say that we fall into place. It's more custom. It's more one-off. It's more. A, a big company's not going to do it because it's more trouble than it's worth for them right. because they have an assembly line making this one specific design. They have to redesign and retool everything exactly. just to make a one-off. Yeah. And I think it's just hard trying to figure out how to to explain that. So figuring out how to say what, that 
but not explain your prices at the same time. Mm-hmm. So in order to say, this is why they're able to offer it for this price, and I'll, but I'll do it for this price. Yeah. So it's just up to them. Do you want to be able to say it's custom, or do you want to say you got a killer deal because you bought it on some 70% off sale on Instagram? Right. So my, like I was sharing with Martina yesterday, we were laughing because I thought, you know, as a, a woman, obviously my analogies are completely different. But I think when I go to a party or when I go to a meeting or a grand event, I don't want to be wearing the same dress as any other woman in the place, right? Like I want to stand out. I want to be able to brag about what I look like, what I'm wearing, and heaven forbid somebody walk in being wearing the same thing I am. It, that that feeling of um, exclusivity is is the same when you're ordering something or buying something. When somebody mm-hmm. comes into your home or to your business and says, where did you get that? Being able to say, oh, it's custom. Like, you can't have it, right? Like, you're not going to get the same thing I got because it was custom. It was made for me. There's something really cool about that. And I think that we forget that sometimes in using the word, this is exclusive to your needs. This is exclusive That's and custom good to way what to put you it. want. Right. So I, I think I'm going to steal that just so you know. I, I think you should. Exclusivity as a maker. <laughs> right. I just think sometimes we're, um, we get in our heads and we think like, they're not willing to pay that or they're, um, you know, gosh, I put all this together. And when I figure materials in my time, this price is going to be really expensive. Well, don't make up your mind for the customer. You don't know what their budget mm-hmm. is. You don't know what they're willing to pay for that feeling of custom and catering and exclusivity. Don't discount that just because you think the price is high. It took me a long time to come to grips with being able to tell them a price and not, not have that inner turmoil where i'm like oh my gosh that's so expensive now i'm like you know this is it if you like it you do if you don't you don't i i mean i'm not going to the the price is what it is because you have to account for everything that goes into it and if you if you do it on the flip side so the some of the worst ones i've had have been makers themselves and, you know, our budgets aren't high half the time for splurging on ourselves. Like, we'll spend a lot on tools, but we don't necessarily spend a lot on, you know, signage or whatever. And they will have that concept of how long something takes. And then want you to make $3 an hour. Right. So, it's hard... Because when I start doing estimates and everything, I figure out how much it's going to cost for me to make that item Mm -hmm. and then valuing yourself per hour. Like, it's like, yeah, I would love to make X dollars an hour, but am I worth that? And then it's like, yes, I am, because this is a custom piece and everything. So what we've started doing, because this is why I got into this anyways, this whole making space is that I didn't want to pay the price for furniture because I thought I could make this. So why Mm -hmm. am I going to pay eight times what it would cost me to make it and then my time was free because it was my hobby so i you know on my days off i would work on that kitchen table for us or whatever so now that it's a business trying to figure out my worth my hourly rate and everything so i pretty much just tell amanda this is what it's going to cost me to make this you figure out the price now like how much would you pay for it if you were buying custom or else i'm under getting underpaid and it's Mm -hmm. not worth my time anymore so trying to put that value on yourself, like how much do you think you're worth to make that product is really hard. And I think a lot of people have run into that issue too of like, what do I charge per hour? And do I charge per hour? Just say like, oh yeah, I can make up a little bit 
after I pay for materials. Right. Yeah, and, you're and per hour is have... difficult at times. It is. It is hard. And I think you're always going to have people that um, they're hobbyists, essentially, right? So they're making something in their spare time. And again, this obviously varies by what mm-hmm. your trade is. But there's somebody who may do something similar, or a portion of your business for almost just profit on materials, not necessarily any sort of time compensation, because it's just fun for them. It's something they enjoy doing. Um, and again, kind of putting it into perspective from on a grand scale and the the well-known retailers, I guarantee you there's there's always going to be somebody who can beat your price and beat it tremendously. Like you think about the Amazons of the world, right? There's That's going to undercut every retailer out there. So you can either say, I'm going to go and support that retailer or that, that business because I know that there's going to be customer service behind it. They're going to stand behind their product. They're going to you know, verify, fix, warranty, whatever those cases may be. Or you can say, I'm going to go with Amazon because I get free shipping and I'm going to get it tomorrow. What, whatever your reasons are, there's always going to be those people or those organizations. There's also going to be people who hold themselves in way higher regard, whether it's for you know time spent in an industry or premium materials, whatever the case may be. It, and falling somewhere in the middle, I think, is essentially the goal, right? Like I think about um, some of what we do in terms of builds. Do we price ourselves with Pottery Barn? Well, no, right? There's 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 a prestige that comes with Pottery Barn. People pay that price because they know the brand. We're mm-hmm. earning that credibility. We're validating who we are as an organization and who we are to a customer. And I, I think figuring out where you fall in that is the most important. You're not going to be the Amazon, but you're also not going to be the the premium, not at first anyway. And being okay with that middle ground and that ambiguity, I think, is really important as a small business owner of any kind. Yeah. yeah. So I'm sure you went into that, Stephen, with your charcuterie boards and your cutting boards because people i mean i got it for christmas hey these cutting boards are 12 dollars on amazon how much will you make them for or can i just have you engrave them and you know this is my price to engrave them with the cnc and then they said oh let's cut out the middleman have you make them custom and then engrave them so i gave them my price ghosted so i'm sure you get that too with your with your work because oh especially since you have your your stuff in a shop they see the price tag and they say, oh, I'll just get it on Amazon for cheaper. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm trying to trying to push showing people though that buying stuff on you know, I trust me, I buy a lot of stuff on Amazon. Amazon Prime is one of my favorite things. But I'm trying to show them that they're putting love and money back into our community. I mean, I can go out any day of the week and probably pick up a thousand items off the shelf and not one of them is made in America. Whereas anything made by you, what? I, I, you will hear that later. Yeah, right. Her stomach My growling. stomach growls yeah. so loud. <laughs> so when you go that. to edit this, I'm sure you're going to pick it up. <laughs> oh, I thought, I thought you were saying something about not made in America. No. I was like, no. what was that face about? It was just perfect wonderful. timing. What my stomach is saying is incredibly important to me as well. Um, Trevor, you'll catch that. Oh, for trust sure. me. Uh, you, your stomach does not does not speak as loudly as mine does. Uh, I don't it is. Know. It's it's almost lunchtime. It is almost lunchtime. So sorry. <laughs> Little that's okay. That's okay. So, so what I what I've tried to do is is tell people that I'm trying to get love and, and money and and consumerism back into our community. And not mass consumerism, but basically, would you rather have something that comes from around the upstate, made in tailors, going to your home in tailors, which you love and you're proud of your community? Would you rather do that and spend a little bit more and know that 
I'll always stand behind that, or would you rather just go buy it from Walmart? Right. Who's I not think it, who's not based anywhere near here. <laughs> I think owning a small business and being a maker has totally changed our perspective of buying local and supporting other mm-hmm. small businesses in the area. Because you it's so easy to just think like it's no big deal. Like, oh, that's cool that they own a business. You know, good for them, but you don't think of how much work it takes to actually own that small business and run it until you're starting to do it and you just think dear lord like you give up sleep because you're, you're always stressed out you're always worried about every little thing and so that's we've started you know local boutiques for clothing and just even when we have to have work done to the house it's let's find someone local rather than a chained you know contractor throughout the nation stuff like that because yeah it's it's a lot of work and you want to show them that you appreciate it because you now know what it feels like to be in their shoes. Yeah. Makes sense. And even from a customer perspective, like I think um, kind of going back to determining who your customer is and, and just being okay with the fact that not everybody is going to be the right fit for you. Um, there are those that just want a product for a price. Right. Yeah. Um, and I, 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 again, there's... I'm tying it, I'm tying it back to retail and clothing retail because that's what I, I know so incredibly well in addition. And that's, um, you know, you've got a customer who will dig through racks. They'll go to a Ross, they'll go to a Marshalls, they'll go to a Nordstrom rack and they'll just simply dig to try to find something they're looking for, regardless of the brand, for a price. You have those who will also go searching for those same items, but they're not looking for a price. They're looking for an experience, right? They want to be catered to a little bit. They want somebody oh, yeah. to spend time with them. They want to feel something. And I know that sounds kind of cheesy, but essentially there are, especially generationally, a, a ton of individuals who are just looking for an experience when they're purchasing something or creating something and, and they want to be part of it. Um, and understanding that that's the niche, right? That's that's who that customer base is that you're marketing to, that you're building your brand around and that you're knowing exists. And, and the ones that are just looking for price, they're not your customer. And it's okay to say, you know, hey, maybe this won't work or be okay with the fact that they've ghosted you. It's not you. It's not personal. It's not rejection. They just simply are a price-driven consumer. Cool. Let them have it. Move on mm-hmm. and find the ones who are looking for the experience because that's your customer. And that's a great point because I've been ghosted probably 15 times in the last month. And <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, yeah, right. it's rough. But it's always because they are a price-driven buyer. Because that same price has been given to 15 other people that have bought the sign. So it's that's a very good point that I think we lose grasp of. I think we're too too worried about getting the sale Mm -hmm. because you need the sale but you can't become so dependent on it that you you know cripple yourself when it comes to like you don't want to have to drop your price specifically to get one person because then then it's going to dilute your brand long term like short term you're fine long term it's going to start to slowly degrade and I think we need to remember that and it's a very difficult thing to come to peace with if that makes sense yeah it is it's hard because it's 
do you continue to undercut and try to get that sale? Mm-hmm. Because that, that can't be what it's about. So if it's about today, you're thinking, okay, well, I've got to get this sale. I've got to get this customer. I, you know, I've given them a bid. I've, I've given them an estimate. Um, but thinking long-term and saying, I am a brand. I am a business. Mm-hmm. I am an organization. That's the goal, not this one sale. The best thing you can do for that customer is give them a positive interaction, right? And at least their initial experience for you or with you is decent. And they enjoyed that. And then after that, it's up to them whether or not to buy. So selling yourself and your brand and not necessarily your product could be just as great for you long term. And knowing that you did something in that regard. Yeah. So whenever I hear the term, you know, think of undercutting, I think of it goes back to my construction days. Thinking of your brand as as a foundation, a foundation for your business. And when you undercut your sales, you're undercutting the foundation for your business. So you can undercut and undercut and undercut and grow your business, make that building taller and taller. But the more you undercut, the worse that foundation is going to be. And eventually it's going to topple over. Yeah. And if you don't undercut, yeah, your, your, your business may barely move off the foundation. But guess what? It's going to last so long because you haven't undercut yourself. It's right. just going to take time to get your name out there. And that's, people want fast results. So I've been listening to Gary Vee, obviously. But you are obsessed <laughs> with Gary Vee, man. You need it's to listen idol. to it and you'll understand why. Well, I listen to it. I follow him on Instagram. But man, you are like, you are drinking that Gary Vee juice. Well, I'm listening to his ebook and it's like a seven hour ebook. But, you know, he's he's always talking about that where you don't, you have to build up the brand and it's going to take years it's not going to take minutes it's not going to take months it's going to take years and i see a lot of makers come out here and we've said this before they post a selfie of themselves (laughs) and they go from zero followers to fifty thousand followers in a month and us that are making things and posting what we made go from 1000 to 1005 in a month and we get discouraged by that. But to me, it's more of long term, I have a feeling that we'll be better off because we'll be known for what we do and not for what we look like. And I think oh, that's something exactly. we all have to keep in mind. Right. And in those, I, I laugh because I'm like, I, obviously I've been in, in on some of these conversations, whether it's with you or just with Martina, but um I guarantee you a picture of me with a tool just looks awkward and weird. (laughs) 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 Right. That's that's not going to happen. But at at the end of the day, you're so right. Like an Instagram follower is a follower. There's somebody who wants to see, sometimes they want to see what you do, but sometimes they just want to look at pictures of you. They, they want to comment on it kind of going back. So obviously with, with the other realm, you know, I, I teach cycling. So I, I also build a, a personal brand, um, around my Instagram and I I'll do this post and yes, it's me. And yes, it's me, you know, with a bike or in workout gear or whatever. And it's frustrating because the comments will be, Oh, you look good or so pretty. And I think that, did you read it? Like there was content there, right? So twofold. Yes. I want an image to grab you so that you'll read it. I, this isn't the comment. The content is about what I want you to understand and feel, not about what I want you to see. Um, and just a simple image isn't going to build your brand. It's the content behind that image. And it is long term, right? So it's not just about a follower. Maybe that follower has nothing to do with you. They may not even bring you business. They just want to look at pictures on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I think 
it's definitely it's hard because you get sucked into this Instagram game and everything but at the same time you just kind of think of it as free marketing and not how many followers like as you know what yeah. I mean like I don't need 50,000 followers if only five of those live in my area and they're gonna buy from me so if I have a hundred followers and you know 75% of that is local then I'm Sorry, I'm doing <laughs> I'm in, I'm in good shape Siri doesn't that, get it. Siri. Siri's trying to join the conversation. Siri, Siri, Siri doesn't She's get like, it. I'm sorry, you guys are not I, hitting I'm the sorry, topics. I'm sorry, but you're I not you hitting hit. it. I yeah. didn't get that. <laughs> Google Google likes to listen yeah. to me a lot. Oh, absolutely. Is, it, is that Cortana? I talk- oh, we ha- yeah, we have Cortana, Cortana on the computer, and then we just got the Amazon Alexa, so we definitely have right, Big Brother Cortana, always listening. Oh, dear Lord. And Alexa, yeah. we've we've grown our family by three. Yeah. Oh, nice. So you had other stuff too that you had written down from people as feedback we, we may have to go into like yeah. a third episode here. yeah we yeah. might <laughs> um i think like a lot of it is selling yourself how do you do it and i think we've kind of started talking about that of this is custom this is one of a kind this is made ex- specifically for you and even how you said Stephen, how you're putting money into the community and I back my work. We warranty all of our work. So I think that's a huge difference too, that if three years from now they have, you know, say their cutting board dries out and splits or whatever, they can go down the street and have you fix it versus, oh, I have to buy a whole new cutting board because I bought this cheap thing on Amazon that isn't actually wood, even though it says it is. So I, I think it's about answering a question in your mind and that's... um who- who do I want to be to the customer? So when they explain you, if they're talking about you to their friends or, you know, their product, their interaction, whatever, anything that has to do with you or your brand, what do you want them to say about you? Like, do you want them to say, I was the cheapest, right? And they have great prices. Okay, cool. If that's who you want to be known for, then right on. Or saying, you know, I want to be known for the experience I provided or the fact that I back my work and I always am there to fix, repair, or warranty everything I, I generate. What, whatever it is you want to be to the customer, um, it, just building things, creating something for somebody and handing it over isn't enough. You are a brand and deciding what you want to define that I think will always be kind of what you tie back to when you're making these choices and figuring out the answers to any question. I think you and I were talking about that a bit, Trevor, about how I handwrite a thank you card with all of my, like mm-hmm. with every customer, wow. they get a handwritten thank you card and trying to make, take that extra step. So they do feel valued. And I did like your idea of having your kids sign it because you are a family man. You're running this business for your family to provide more for them. And I think a customer would probably appreciate that more like, yeah, I just supported this guy who has this daughter that she took the time to sign the thank you card for me. So I think just even little stuff like that makes them uh, customer feel more valued. And like it was worth sometimes worth the wait because it's not an instant turnaround, but it was, they will probably go back to buying custom again because you're more thoughtful than a target or an Amazon. But don't let me yeah. fill out the thank you card. Cause they'll think a serial killer just sent them a note. They, they've seen, they saw my handwriting last week too. They know. So <laughs> That's why I was like, I write I trust me, it can't don't be worry. Than mine. <laughs> I had the grocery list <laughs> yesterday, and she's like, it's a good thing you're here, because I literally would be sending you a screenshot of this and asking you what on earth these words are. <laughs> so. And we have to handwrite them, because typing them is not the same. So were there other things on that list, or is that kind of, do we cover most of them? I think we're, st- between the two episodes for, on my list, we're starting to hit a lot of it. 
I think this is a good one to end on. We may oh, have time wait, for we, one more. That's funny because we. This is how we ended it last week too. What is? How do you break up with the customer, and is it worth it to break up with the customer? <laughs> and we're back there again right now because we didn't talk about it. So. Oh. Uh, I say all day yes. All oh, yes. day yes, and kind of going agree. just going back to like even if you get further in the process than you had anticipated and don't necessarily feel as though that time effort or conversation was compensated it doesn't matter but ultimately saying well it doesn't look like i can meet your needs so i'd really i really think it's a great idea that you maybe move on right or um we've even had individuals who um legitimately don't like what we've produced and i think just saying right I, to but they come back right and and Which, i i think yeah right, oh yeah it's, so it's odd it's really weird yeah hmm. Um, but I think being able to say, um, like, this this is what I can do for you, or, you know, I I think not ever apologizing for what you've created, but owning that there's an understanding and agreeing to disagree, right? Mm-hmm. And saying, I, I, I'm sorry you don't like this. <laughs> I'm sorry I yeah. made you a product that's crappy, but I'm sorry that you don't like this, or that this may not seem to meet your needs. Maybe you should look elsewhere. I. I think those are perfectly acceptable things to say and figuring out what those phrases are for you um, are, are the easiest route to go. But all day long, everything that we've talked about so far today leads up to that, right? So being on brand, knowing who you are, knowing who you want your customer to be and what you stand for. Um, and to Stephen's point, the foundation and, and how strong you want that to be. If you're not willing to say no, if you're not willing to break up with the customer, and if you're not willing to not do everything to make the sale, you're just diluting who you are. So all day, yes, say no to the customer. And I think the people that are going to take the time to sit and listen to the this podcast and learn how to grow their brand and make make their vision a reality, um, I think they're all hey going to appreciate that more <laughs> and, and not dilute their brand. And they're going to take this and put it into their business practices. But it's like, I think having... One, this is why it's been a topic of conversation too. When you're doing custom orders, how do you get paid? Do you take a deposit? Do you take all the payment in full? That way, if it is a specific thing, especially if it's something that you know you're not going to be able to resell, taking that money up front. So that way, if you do have to break up with the customer, everything you've built so far is covered. Mm -hmm. So you're not at a loss, you know, because if you're going to take the time, you're going to put 20 hours into this build and at, you know, you go to deliver it and they say they don't like it, they don't pay, you're screwed, you know what I mean? Especially if you put your own money into it. So people do need to figure out as a business owner, as a maker, how to accept forms of payment so they can protect themselves if that does happen. But then figuring out an alternative to do in the meantime, if your bread and butter is big builds, you need to have a backup plan to be able to support yourself if those big builds aren't coming through. Kind of like how we talked about doing Christmas orders in July. Like if we're mm-hmm. not, go- we've already yeah. discussed, we have a big project coming up that starts this week and we're just waiting on her to pay us so I can start it. And we're already thinking about backup plans. If she doesn't decide to pay us on Monday, which is the negotiated date, what am I going to do instead in order for us to be able to have that income? So I think p- th- as a maker, as a, s- a small business owner, you do need to have that game plan just in case. And I, I think also just remembering, I know we're kind of coming to a close, but I, I was laughing when we were talking about um, the, 
the the intent of of this podcast and the the subject and not laughing because it's a terrible one i think it's a, an amazing topic um but we use outdated terms so often like i think the word <laughs> was customer service right and when i think of customer that's, service i, mean, I think of a the, call center Right. Like I think of a call center, yeah, I think yeah. of, you know, you're, you're, I have an issue with my product. Okay, ma'am, let me forward you to my, it, like it's customer service is not what somebody's looking for. They're looking for an experience. And that's what any individualized small business can offer, that it's about an interaction. It's about a conversation. It's about a tangible experience. And remembering that that's what you're all about. Customer service. Like, again, that, that's a hotline you're calling because your, you know, order was shipped two days late or you're frustrated with, you know, being overcharged or double charged. Like those are things that you, you deal with somebody. The customer one is not always right. They're just not. And that's also an outdated term and, and saying they're, they may not be your customer, but they're not always right. And two, customer service is not what we're in the business for. I think our business is about more than that. And any makers, any small business owner, knowing that it's about far more than creating a service to an individual. It's about creating a memorable experience. And I think when people start to hear, will hear this, it will start to change their mind. And I think will change their attitudes about how they approach a situation. Or even knowing now that they can reach out to any one of us and ask for more help if they're having an issue makes a huge difference. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that's, I mean, that's one of the foundations of the podcast is just being able to have have resources, have someone to ask, have someone to talk to, because sometimes you feel bad about asking another maker because one, are they going to give you, you know, not necessarily misinformation, but bad information because they operate on a different sort of scheme or different sort of scale than you do. So they won't quite give you the information that you may need. And then the other is, you know, asking anyone for help, especially when you're trying to be kind of a sole proprietor is kind of for lack of a better term embarrassing you know it's like i'm trying i need to do this on my own this is why I, this is why i want to be a sole product to do it on my own but guaranteed you can't do everything on your own i wish i could i wish i could just go cut the trees down mill them myself kill and dry them do do all that myself but unfortunately i don't have those sorts of funds yet if i did i would totally do it all by myself <laughs> well the the thing you have to be aware of if you do the superman route is you physically do not have the time to do it all yourself. Like you have to outsource certain things, whether it's, you know, your taxes or whether it's, mm -hmm. you know, prepping your material. Like I'm not going to go cut down a tree, saw it all up, dry it, and then bring it in. I'm just going to buy the wood from a store because I don't have time for the rest of it. Are you sure, Trevor? I mean, you could totally do it. Oh, yeah. He well, it'll probably drop sure. fast. Right. Not only that, I think there's an ego there, right? I, I, again, you said Superman t technique or approach, and that's mm -hmm. really what it is. Like, there's, there's an, an egocentric feeling that comes with that instead yes. of saying, oh, my gosh, somebody out there might have a better idea. Somebody out there might have something to share. And I, I think that's the other thing. I may thing. not be the only expert, right? is if you try to do it all yourself, you close yourself off to new ideas. And there are many times that people have told me, you know, what if you tried this? And I'm like, I had never thought of that. Like, mm -hmm. yep. never would have come to mind. And then, you know, and some people are more than willing to help, which is a great thing about the maker community, I feel, is, you know, if you're looking for advice, 
people are willing to, you know, help you, give you ideas. Granted, there's a caveat with that. Some people are very rude and off-putting. <laughs> but you do have the people that are more than willing to help you and give you tips with nothing in return. But it's definitely one of those things where you have to figure out what your strengths are and what you are good at and where you can best spend your time and not be afraid of, you know, sourcing stuff out or whatever it might be. And even customer interaction, like, even if you don't feel you have, like, I try to write a handwritten thank you as well. And even if, even if you don't, want to or you don't have time you can get th- like you know a thank you card printed from Vistaprint with like a at least a meaningful message with your business right. on it and we you can put that in <laughs> so we you can I mean there's <laughs> yeah so you can do things like that and it still adds to the customer experience but it's minimal time right yeah I think I definitely like it's amazing this like obviously it all goes back to Instagram because that's how we all ended up getting together to do this podcast and everything. Um, the community that I've built there is amazing because I get people that reach out to me and ask for, ask for tips, help, whatever. And I message them back. And it's crazy when they tell you, Oh, I've messaged like six other makers and none of them got back to me or wouldn't help me with this. So thank you for taking the time. But I think that's what it's about too. Like being an entrepreneur is, you know, just, not being too proud to ask for help, even if it's like, hey, I'm having problems with this joinery. How do I do this? Or mm-hmm. is it, hey, I'm having problems with this customer. You you talked about it the other day. How did you handle it or how would you handle it? So. Yeah. And being willing to help like other makers is, to me, one of the best things you can do, which people might disagree with. Because if people come to me and they say, how do you paint your MDF? It's not proprietive. Like, you know, yeah, yeah, like it's not a secret. You could probably find it on Google from somewhere. I might just do it slightly differently. But then, you know, if that person's not making signs, they're making something else and they just happen to be using the same material and want to paint it. I've had people recommend me for work for like laser cut work because I helped them with some random question they had at one point in time. So it's, it behooves you to be nice to people and help them because, well, karma. Like, yeah, that's such a great I mean, Just be nice. Just be nice. Just be that's nice. Like it's yeah. simple and like it's a fundamental yes. basic concept that you learn when you're like three. Be mm-hmm. nice. Well, Play nice with others, right? Be and, nice. Uh, and I respond to every DM I get, like even if they're negative, like if somebody, you know, writes me and they have something bad to say i'm like you know i'm sorry you feel that way and i try to handle it the best i can but i you know i still respond because it shows that i'm active with the people that follow me right i think i think that's what it's all about and it shouldn't be forgotten Mm -hmm. well i guess we're up on time (laughs) sorry no my i look i just look my cat is doing something real creepy Oh, uh, yeah. He's doing something real quick. He's just staring out the window at nothing. There's nothing yeah. out there. He's just staring well, hardcore. Uh, yeah. <laughs> How long have we been going? Over an hour? Uh, hour yeah. and 11 minutes. All right. All right. Because that's what, not, it's 9.15 for y'all. Uh, 9.18, but yes. Be exact. <laughs> y'all, to be clear. 
Well, let me check my watch. My, this could be wrong. My watch knows. It's got the atomic clock. Well, my phone knows. Boom. <laughs> uh, this has been a very productive and very interesting episode. I love getting to have interaction for from people that are experts in their field that are not makers. So, Amanda, I really appreciate that. I, I still think that that's an overclassified term, but we'll go with it today. I'll feel like an okay. expert. It'll make right. me feel wonderful today. I'm an expert. In the, fo- in, in the four of us, in the four of us, you are the expert because there you go. none of the rest of us had got this. I didn't do retail. I'm not a retail person. Out of your 80 jobs, really? I was always a, was a hands-on person. What am I going to do with these in a, you know... I get, okay, the closest thing I had to retail was I worked for a company that manufactured ice. So we did store-to-store sales with ice. Ice. Ice manufactures itself. Excellent. Not quite. It doesn't bag itself. It doesn't deliver itself. It does not stack and, and qualify itself. <laughs> he begs to differ. Yeah. Yes. Yes, he does. Like, but I do think, different. I think we came up with two other topics for shows in the future, too, which are selling yourself and how you do it mm-hmm. which, oh that's a good one which i Who mean we've never directly addressed and then one of how do you create that customer experience right how does how do we each go about it differently mm-hmm. and how you know how creating that customer experience does make a difference because some people brush it off as oh you know if they like my product they'll come back not if you gave them a terrible experience while buying your product. That or I cheat my I, I cheat my prices good enough to where people are gonna buy it regardless of how I act. That too. It's like the it's like the soup guy from um from oh, Seinfeld. The soup Nazi. His, the soup Nazi. The soup Nazi. Oh, His soup was so good that. even though he was awful. Oh right. Uh, yes. Com- com- the comedians in cars getting coffee. That's what oh, we've my been watching gosh. every night. I'm obsessed. Uh, so that's what I have Seinfeld. not watched it yet. Oh, oh my it's gosh! It's There's so like good. twenty minute episodes with Seinf- he, Jerry Seinfeld drives comedians around and they go get lunch and they just drink coffee. And, it's yeah, hilarious. It's I'm gonna have to watch that now. You'll like it. Well, it's my pleasure joining it. you guys today. Well, thank you very no. much. Thank you, thank you for for joining us. Even though you had to skip part of your uh, breakfast time, that's okay. I'll go back. I, uh, yeah. Believe <laughs> you me, I'll will, make up for it. It'll be fine. There you go. So It'll be right. fine. All right. Well, enjoy the weekend. Thanks. Have fun. Bye, guys. See ya. Thank you for listening to our show. Be sure to check out MakerVisionPodcast.com. We'll post valuable resources, tips, and info about anything we've talked uh, talked about in today's shows or past shows. And all these things are to help your Maker Vision become a Maker Reality. If you have any questions or suggestions or any comments about what you heard today or, once again, in previous episodes, feel free to Drop us a line at makervisionpodcast at gmail.com, on Instagram at makervisionpodcast, or through mine and Trevor's personal Instagram accounts, and that is Old South Woodcraft or Maker Experiment. If you like the show, please give us a five-star review and, uh, and just some really nice words to, to let us know how good we're doing. Or if you didn't like it, let us know what you didn't like about it. Either way, we're happy to hear from you. And you can go and do that on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. Once again, thank you for joining us on our podcast, and we really look forward to hearing hearing from you next week. 